that's okay. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of, no, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I went, I went to two parties and I tried out different strategies and we talked <laughs> once before about how I try not to ask people what they do for a living because I don't want to make it seem like jobs are that important. Like I think if that's the first thing that you ask someone, it's kind of a little bit potentially sending the message that that's how you're going to kind of identify with them. And if someone's got a job that they don't really enjoy talking about, I don't want to force them to talk about it. They should talk about whatever they are passionate about. So, yeah, the problem was, though, that I hadn't really prepared an alternative. So I ended up, like, approaching people and then starting some, like, weird, wacko conversation because I didn't know what else to say. And then it kind of, like, faltered. And so um, I hate to think about it in those terms, but I, I felt like my performance at the, par- at the first party was poor. And so I was like, okay. Re- redesigned party strategy <laughs> for party number two. So yeah, the people that I met at the first party, I must not have fucked it up too bad because I did get like invited to the other one. <laughs> Where like I was just, mm-hmm. I went around asking people how their night was going and talking about little things and making like a bit more of the small talk that I normally avoid doing. But I tried to do it in like, a nice way and listen to what they were saying about their lives and that was actually mm-hmm. much better and I even yeah yeah I learned some cool things so you went the first strategy was to ask what did you call it like off the wall questions yeah I mean the first strategy the problem was it wasn't really a strategy it was just don't ask people what they do for a living and then I hadn't really thought much further than that Okay. Um, yeah, that that was that was the problem. I hadn't actually thought of an approach. That's yeah. interesting. So there's perils to that. There's perils to not um, asking people what they do for a living. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess perils if you don't know like... what else to say. Hmm. I guess if you don't know what else to say. Yeah. 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 Which is great. I mean, I think yeah. I will also test out my other alternative, which is what do you enjoy doing? I haven't actually use that yet but I want to sometime yeah I it's funny because when I went to my part not my party but party I went to last night um, we were discussing this conundrum of not asking people that question and somebody uh-huh. said that they ask people what do you instead of saying what what do you do for a living they ask what do you live for mm, oh wow that is a nice way of turning that on its head yeah mm. Mm. Yeah, and I ended up sitting on a couch with some people for most of the night, and I don't know what they do for a living. And I th- I consider that a success that I cool. hung out with them all night long, and we had a great chat, yeah, and a fun time. And we still don't know what the other one does for a living at all. That's yeah, great. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, like, do you? my whole like party strategy thing like have you ever thought in those terms or like what do you kind of think about after the party or during the party or um what do i think about after after the party what do you mean or during or the just party? like, like what, how does it feel how, how does it feel when you go to a party because i just end up 
analyzing how good the conversations are that I'm attempting to have and trying to make them better and it becomes this big like thinking social experiment thing um but what's it like for you what do you do at parties well I like the Darcy Peacock method of interaction (laughs) which is to find the the part about somebody that they value and that you'd value and that they enjoy um, sharing. So okay. my whole idea of it at a party is I feel I feel socially awkward as a normal human might until I find somebody who it seems interested in me or what I have to say and I'm interested in what they have to say and we can just relax a bit and sort of fade out of the party and just be two of us or three of us having a chat about life or crap or nothing or just joking. I mean, a good a good party strategy, I find, is to find a couch and a couple of people and sit there and just talk crap with them all night. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have to be deep or, you know, heavy or anything. If you can just find some, a couple of people and just, like, be silly with them for, for an evening, I think yeah. that's an optimized use of a, of a party space. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool because, like... Sometimes I think, oh, I have to go around talking to all of these different people, but like, because it's a party. But like, if you stay in one place, other people are going to notice that you're having a conversation. They might come close enough to hear what you're talking about and be like, oh, I want to be part of this. So I guess if you kind of if you set up a base camp, you'll also attract the sort of people that you probably are going to have a cool conversation with. A base camp, yes, exactly right. Yeah. If you set up a little fortification, other people. Will join. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, that's like, that's going to be like my next party strategy. City. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're starting a little city or human settlement or civilization and others are coming, like traders are coming and like mm-hmm. people who bear gifts of drink or snacks come along to do trades. <laughs> they share knowledge and information from distant lands like the kitchen or the bathroom or, yeah, or going on upstairs. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> you just sort of like form this little culture and these in-jokes and this little community and this way of speaking and this codified system of behavior for your little mm-hmm. small group, your little mm-hmm. tribe, and a little sense of identity ah. which makes you feel good inside the subset of the party. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of geek out about it in that way, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm picturing in my mind is, like, a party, but instead of just normal parties, it's, like, this fantasy economy happening so like i don't know i'm picturing some like maybe what i do is i'm like a gypsy and i move from like person to person and like tell maybe i'm the person that comes along and talks about what's been happening in the kitchen and stuff and then you might be like you guys i don't know is is it it's not really hermits because you're open to being visited but just like this little village colony (laughs) on the outskirts of the party (laughs) yeah it's usually made up of people who are either just like have sober because they're sober drivers or people who are like don't know don't know many people at the party like last night Mm -hmm. it was four of us and none of us knew anyone at the party that well like we're all there Mm -hmm. because of friends of friends and we didn't know each other and it was just us four and we just hung out all night on the couch it was great awesome yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I quite often just talk to the people who are standing alone at parties. I hope that's okay because sometimes, like, there's like no one really likes to be the person who's standing alone at the party 
I think, but then some people might be more introverted than me and just be fine, like, standing and taking it all in, and then they get this, like, wacko person come up to them and be like, hey, how's everything going? What's your name? I'm a gypsy. What do you enjoy in life? (laughs) (laughs) Try and do it in a nice way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's build a civilization. (laughs) It's like, if if this party was, like, a fantasy ecosystem, like, what would you be? Would you be, like, a tree frog right now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean that's yeah. the trade-off if you just come across as like i don't know i guess a bit eccentric you might start something totally wonderful you might also scare off a very nice person who's just like what mm. the hell <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah it's sort of i see it as antibodies or system self-correcting because if you have a bunch of people having a great time and then some people having not so great a time if we're the white blood cells or the people who go around trying to fit, like, not fix, but trying to, like, <laughs> plug the holes and find the people who are not having such a great time and have a great time with them, then okay. it's, uh, it's like the system as itself, the party organism, stays alive longer. So oh, we're part wow. of this, like, we're part of the system <laughs> that's evolved to, like, keep itself alive and self-sustain as long as possible. Um, and you can only do that when you've got you know, bits helping out other bits. <laughs> Yeah, I know you tend to gesticulate, so that's I think that's happened in the past. I mean, I do too. But what does gesticulate mean? <laughs> Move your arms around when you're speaking. Oh, right. Yes, I do that. I think sometimes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I can't decide if that's because we're visual people or kinesthetic people, or maybe just both. Because it's like, there's the idea that you have to move when you're thinking and that your movement assists your thinking. And then there's the idea that we're thinking visually, so we move our hands to where the things are in our minds. Yeah, I, in my, I'm just moving my hands now trying to figure it out. I think for me, <laughs> it's like when I'm talking, the concepts are a physical object that I'm pushing out in front of me. And yeah. it's a, like a tangible, like, you know... It's like a frame, yeah. it's like a wireframe thing or whatever, and I have to, and I use my hands to mold it and change it around. So mm. when someone's watching my hands, the, I think my the idea is that they somehow will speak the same language or see things the same way, and they'll understand. Like my hands will help them understand what I'm trying to say. Like I'm, I might be like trying to smooth the concept, so I like move my hand like this. I'm uh. trying to like push a concept up, so I'm doing my hands like this. You know, like, it's all yeah. part of the same that, thing. Ah, that's amazing. I just want to, like, film you speaking, but, like, give you, like, a massive amount of Play-Doh or candy floss <laughs> or something that you could actually mold and, like, see how that changes the way that you speak and yeah. the way that you interact. And, ah, that would be so fascinating. Yeah, you too. You know what would be good is if we just got, um, like, finger paints and just had finger paints while we're speaking and you could just move your fingers around (laughs) like like the kind of thing that you could do in virtual reality is just notice where someone's fingerprints are and then um oh my god oh my god it would be like like a a digital whiteboard but 3d with all of your fingers wow wow i hope i hope that happens there's so much that's possible yeah. Oh, wow. I'm just like, you know what I'm buzzing out about now? Imagine mm-hmm. if that was a thing, but they also made it even better by um, 
when you're making this like sculpture with your fingers in front of you that slowly fades away, your voice travels through it and your voice is influenced by it, like it tunnels through it in certain ways. And so when the person hears it, they hear it distorted through this little um, like handcrafted sculpture, like seashell musical instrument you've made. Ah, so they think that your voice is coming from the designs that you're making. Yeah, designs. and it like alters slightly. <laughs> like you can still hear it, but it still alters slightly based on the design, and you can influence mm. your own voice with your hands. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, you'd at least want like maybe the design to move with the rhythm of your voice, or like show some oh, kind of. Oh yes. Like when yes. you're really enthusiastic, it could maybe like move a little bit or um, change, change color. color or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's just, kind of interesting because it would be like the idea is speaking about itself rather than you describing your ideas I'm totally concentrating on your ideas and they're kind of voicing themselves and I'm pretty sure like in my consciousness then you would be kind of the secondary thing yeah yeah you'd be, be watching like, what I'm creating rather than me yeah, yeah I mean it's like when you send me a recording of yourself and I know that you're somewhere in the world but what I'm focusing on now is the recording not on you even though the recording comes from you mm. it's like you become this entity of what you're saying mm. I mean you pull it all the way back to voice right now I'm, I've got I can hear your voice in my ear through the phone call and I'm interacting with this voice in a weird way I'm interacting with the voice and not you like I'm interacting mm. with this noise and I'm giving a noise back but you can it's, it's almost humans are irrelevant in this it's just yeah yeah oh, can we can we ponder what it's like just to talk to someone and hear their voice because that's kind of something that I've been reflecting on this week because um, you know I mentioned a while ago with internet dating that I find it weird just meeting someone straight away when all I've had prior to that is like text interaction like it's a big thing to finally see what someone looks like and hear their voice see what they're like as a person be evaluating how well the conversation can actually flow and knowing that they're probably kind of judging you in all kinds of like physical ways and you're kind of judging them and like it's it's a lot to process I find at once so what I sometimes do with people that I think I want to meet up with is have a phone call first but like some of the people I've been talking to have been like well you can't really like a lot of our communication is not verbal like a lot of it is someone's facial expression or the way that they wildly gesticulate when they're speaking and move the concepts around that they're talking about the way that you do and like there is a lot that isn't contained within our voices but I think from someone someone's voice you can hear really interesting things and yeah I, I was wondering do you have any thoughts on that mm, yeah I wonder if phone calls are just for many people the uncanny valley because over text and over face to face we seem to be okay with both even though one is full on sensory information and one is mm-hmm. the most thin, thin one channel smallest amount of sensory data you can have for communication and those seem to be both totally easy and fine and and don't Mm. sort of uh, you know we're not we're not um repelled by them at all but as soon as you've got that halfway mark of voice but no yeah uh, you know body yeah, so you've know. got it like half be, the data, yeah, but not the rest, the and that's kind of weird. It makes you notice what you're not hearing, maybe? Okay, here's a theory. Because mm-hmm. 
phone calls seem to be seem to go well for what we're talking about. So when we talk about ideas and when we float these random concepts that we come up with in these strange theories, uh, phone call is, I, I find it quite easy to talk with that like about that on the phone. But if I was talking to you on the phone trying to figure out who Katie is and trying to like analyze you and try to figure you out a bit, it may be mm. even like a job interview level, I would find that quite hard to do because it's I'm I'm striving for something that I don't have um, you know full access to like yeah I'm like a blind person touching the face like I can hear you but I can't see your hand actions your eyes or anything so I don't know yeah I yeah. Don't know. yeah I can't quite put it, it but you're right yeah hmm? you're right a tiny confession is that I've always wanted to have one of those like plans where you have like one person that you call all the time and I'm actually really proud that I finally have a friend like that and that we've used up all of our 100 no like 500 minutes for one month 500 minutes <laughs> yes oh my goodness <laughs> I mean to be we've used like 450 but like it's not enough for another phone call yeah <laughs> yeah that's so cool I know those BFF plans and everything like that ah. Oh. We've made it, Katie. We've finally made it. Yeah. We've finally made it. <laughs> Friends! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? Like, yeah, I mean, I think it is definitely true that to get a sense of what someone is like, you need to see them. But I guess I enjoy focusing on a voice, and you're definitely right that, like, this is the space that I feel more comfortable in. Like, um, and especially you're right for the type of conversations that we have when we're talking about quite abstract things. Um, I find I normally wouldn't even look at the person when I'm talking to them. I'll be looking around and trying to kind of, in a way, see the concepts that I'm talking about. It's not even like I wouldn't be paying attention to extra signals anyway I would just be listening to the person and not looking but just visualizing whatever I'm talking about so in that way phone calls are ideal and this is like my ideal conversation so I guess in asking people to have phone calls I'm pushing it onto terrain that's familiar and comfortable for me but not ideal for everyone yeah and perhaps they don't understand or get the idea of uh that style of conversation you like to do, which is what we're doing when we talk about concepts and ideas. Like, if you were to call someone up from the internet and start talking in this way, they might not be prepared for that because they just want to know how the weather is where you are, or you know, I don't know what you're talking about actually. From oh my god, know. not that, not that. I mean, okay. if they've got to like phone call point, like past. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> life life is life is too short to talk about. Yeah. The weather. <laughs> Like, hello, true, what's your purpose true. in life? Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's the weather like of your soul? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what's the weather in your soul like? Yeah. Uh, no, I know what you mean, because I'm just looking at, yeah. like, no, nothing. I'm just, my eyes are drifting off. I'm just in my mind's eye right now, you know? Mm, mm. Yeah. I always look at this massive, like tree that I have on my wall that's made out of an old book like that that's mm. what I look like when we t- look at when we're talking <laughs> that's such a cool tree that tree inspired me for when I move into my new flat soon I'm gonna get really? so strange with what goes on in my walls yeah yes. I'm gonna get so good with it because I never 
I've always had these ideas to do things like that, but I've never done them because mm. I just thought you can't do that. You're not allowed. But you can. You can do anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, buy buy a few packets of blue tack and some crazy and stuff. Away. And you can do some crazy use stuff rubbish with a pack of blue tack. And old things and yeah, yeah. It's it's hugely satisfying. It's it's difficult to motivate yourself, I find, because normally my room is just for me. So, you know, so often when we do creativity or like at least when I do something creative, I've kind of got at the back of my mind, ooh, this would be really great to show people. But to be motivated to put something up on your wall and, you know, spend hours and hours doing it, which I did, like you kind of have to just want to do it for yourself. It's a tree. It's a tree made up of words, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's got a ton of fairy lights that are kind of in squiggly patterns. And then it's got a tree that's made up of all these pages from a book that I was never going to read. And it's sort of yellowy. And so at night, the fairy lights shine through the tree and look quite inspiring. Mm. Mm. The idea is that it kind of looks like the night sky. And then, yeah, it's Mm. like looking at the stars, but you don't have to go outside. Mm. That's cool. I like that. I think I'm looking yeah, for do, a... Do your own thing, eh? Yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. It's going to get strange. I'm going to get one of those starlight <laughs> things that show the night sky or a simulation of the night sky and, mm-hmm. and light pinpricks. Um, I don't know how hokey they really are, but I really want to get one just to test it out and have that on my roof and make it maybe um, maybe put some glow-in-the-dark stars up or some like little bits of paper up there that, sim- that should are quite an accurate representation of where the stars are. Um, ah, and do okay. some like yeah some space themed stuff because I'm really into that yeah so, you know you can get glow in the dark paint hey that might be cool uh, when I was a kid I had glow in the dark stars on my ceiling and I put more and more on until the whole ceiling was covered in glow in the dark stars <laughs> <laughs> it was just, uh, I thought it was so cool but it was man, like the, the actual small so spaces were like the sky between the stars yeah yeah. Ooh, I like, <laughs> like it. a negative picture <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> the light's winning, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Um, what was I going to talk to you about, just like leading on to that? Oh, mm-hmm. Before we were talking about mm-hmm. the things on our walls. But after something um, else. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. Oh, that's right. Can we just segue strongly into my project I'm working on right now? Yes, please. Which is please. a creative project, which falls within this realm that you've helped create for me, which is things that we make or do for their own sake or for our sake rather mm-hmm. than to show others or to fit into a certain category. Um, cool segue, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's no segue. It's just I want to talk about this now. That's fine. <laughs> no, I, I want to listen. It's okay. I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it kind of leads on to what you were... I was going to bring it up a bit earlier, but when you said, how, what do you like to do at parties? Or, like, what's a party like for you in your mind? Mm-hmm. Because I'm working on a series right now. It's a series of... It'll probably be a zine or some written document, but I'm doing a recording first, which is... Um, okay, so, as a preamble, mm-hmm. I read this book recently that was written in the 1700s, and it was... Uh, or the 1800s, and it was... Around the time of, um, it was after Robinson Crusoe, and it was around the time of Jules Verne, where there was a lot of high exploration books, like novels about people exploring the world, and you know, especially in Britain, I guess. And so, 
a, a genre of of adventure was springing up and quite popular in the 1800s. And this guy wrote a book where he takes an adventure around his apartment. So I think he was a Frenchman, and his idea was that he wanted to write a adventure book for people who can't take adventures or are confined to their rooms. And so the entire novel is this guy slowly traveling around his apartment room and like jumping from the bed and like describing that in great detail and then like daring to jump onto the carpet and look around and and, 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 and creeping near the bookcase. Um, and it's amazing because it, it's written in this style like he's going on this grand adventure but all he's doing is walking around his apartment. And the idea is that you're um, part of, I guess, the thesis of this novel is that you can find adventure anywhere or you can find mm. it's kind of how you like angle it rather than what you actually mm. the content of your where you actually go um the guy who does the school of life youtube videos helped publish it and wrote this really cool um introduction to it anyway so awesome. i'm working on yeah i thought you might like that idea so i'm working on this yeah. uh uh like little series of short stories or recordings right now which is me going to a party um, as mm. me in my early 20s when I was very socially anxious and each each episode is about half an hour and it's just my internal dialogue and so the entire I've got about six episodes planned out so about three hours of recording and it's just me at a party from start to finish really stretched out and really like sort of exaggerated and um but the first part, like each part is named after a room at a party. So the first part's called The Road. So the first half an hour is just me trying to get my ass to the party. Like me like oh. freaking out on my way there and like hiding and like I can't do this. <laughs> like having like a big like anxiety attack mm-hmm. about it. Um, and I've recorded that one and I've, and I've polished it up and I want to do a bit more polishing on it, but I've finished that one. Um, and then the next one is like me. Awesome. And the next one's called um, like front porch and then the next one is hallway the next one is lounge the next one is kitchen etc um and each one will have a different theme or a different sort of psychological bend to it and the first one's called the vice of anxiety yeah so i'm working on that right now and i don't know why i'm working on wow. it i don't know what i'm going to do with it but it's <laughs> no that's awesome that's awesome i mean that's something that i know that you've thought a lot about and it's something that people don't normally talk about that I think mm. it's really useful to talk about and mm. yeah no I think that sounds great mm. are you yeah because I mean I'm like parties are just room full of people who are probably feeling a lot more awkward than mm. they're letting on you mm. know <laughs> it's so refreshing when someone's like you know says it how it is and then everyone's like oh phew yeah yeah okay you feel the same <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So part of it is just to voice things that I've never read before or seen or talked about mm. before. So I know there's a lot in our life that's sublime and goes on between the lines, and I want to present a certain voice to how I see what maybe yeah. and, and using the experience of a party as sort of a, a common social experience. Like we can relate to these feelings perhaps because yeah. we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. I love how when you write, you're so original. Like. I sometimes, I think I fall into the trap of trying to be poetic and then talk about kind of other things other than my everyday life, but I like how you're so grounded, but you're looking at things that everyone goes through and then seeing different things or finding ways to say things that aren't normally talked about, and I think that's so cool. Thank you. It's It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I would rather just talk yeah. about really abstract, um, like, high-concept stuff. 
like wanky, mm-hmm. like like oh all this guys. Okay. But um, I know that uh, just for whatever reason, I know that it's it's yeah. more interesting to sort of force yourself to write in very grounded, limited, like mm. relatable things, and then throw a bunch of and that. And that's in. helpful. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think you're so imaginative that you know, like, you'll tell the party like an adventure story, and it will end up being, you know, just as much an exercise in imagination as it would if it was fantasy. Mm. That's the idea. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah that's great. Is... That's that's a it's a really cool idea. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. When when you do these recordings, um, is it just going to be you talking, or is there going to be party noise in the background? Like, mm. I guess that's up to debate or up to negotiation. Mm. I think. I've thought about different ways to do it, even just not having me at all and having someone else do it and then having like other voices come in and have it like almost just like a full on oh. audio play. Yeah. But right now I mean I guess yeah. yeah I mean I've got this I've got this ideology in me which is do stuff. Just do stuff anyway. Just do stuff even if it isn't great. Like it will never be perfect. Mm. It's better to do it than to always keep it in your mind. So right now I'm just doing it with my voice and I guess later we can. I could polish it up with background noises, and maybe have other voices come in. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one thing: if you had different voices, so like a different person did the kitchen, different person did the bathroom, it would definitely give the impression that like this is happening everywhere in this one moment in time in this party. Oh, like multiple people are feeling this way. Yes. So you might. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and I could get people to. I'd send them the script, and they could read it out. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and then you, you know, you could film that film, but like record the bathroom one in an actual bathroom, and it would be echoey in the way that a bathroom is. And then I don't know, like if you wanted to get fake, there could be like people knocking on the door sometimes. You have to tell them like, ah, oh, just a few more minutes, you know, like like it would really happen at a party. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, you wouldn't have to necessarily record it at a party because you re- could record the person and then just put party, a separate party that you record in the background, mm. and put them together. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. that's a. Re- oh, I I love Ooh. that idea of having a different person for each episode because then, uh, yeah, you're right. It will create like a universal experience. Like, this is. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Everyone's feeling awkward right now, and yeah. we've all got got these like weird inner monologues that are like, what, what, what should I, who should I talk to? Like, what, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are people judging me? <laughs> yes. Maybe yes. I should go check my makeup. Oh my God, I'm really drunk right now. <laughs> yeah, there are so many, so many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love like thinking about parties. Like, it's such a, we've talked about this before, but it's such a different space, like, different patterns of behavior happen at a, at a party or like i mean it's it's still very human behavior but like we interact so differently with people at a party to how we do at work or in other places in our lives yeah yeah i think parties seem to you strip off a lot of the layers that we put on throughout the day mm. and you reach that mm, almost yeah. level of i mean the closest i've got is probably uh a common one is just to say backpacking or traveling. When you're backpacking or traveling, people are often so themselves and in the moment and in the mm. moment as human beings and they don't have a job title. Someone might be a doctor, someone might be a, you know, like a fast food worker, someone might have another job. It doesn't matter. These are irrelevant. Mm. As soon as you strip away the social status of people and their job titles and their positions and you put them all around a campfire on a beach, 
everyone's going to be a much more fully realized human being. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah. a party is sort of veering I mean, towards also... that. Say that again? A party is veering in that direction. Like it's leaning towards yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's that vibe. Yeah. It's also like one of the few places where it's kind of, it's okay to approach people. Like if you do it in real life, you're never quite sure if you're interrupting someone or not. But at a party, it's kind of more okay. Mm. And so we end up mm. talking to all of these strangers, which we actually never do. Like mm. hardly ever, unless we really push ourselves. Well, we segment yeah. it off, don't we? Like now's the time to do that. Now's the time to do this. And mm. yeah, you're right. And mm. I enjoy that. I feel like I won't... Some of my friends have said, oh, I'm getting too old for parties, but I don't think I would get too old for parties in the sense that I never want to stop talking to new people. You know? Mm. That's... It's not, you I mean, just I want to have different drinking, types but... of parties, different conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess some people say I'm too old for parties, they mean I'm too old to, like, get drunk and things, which I totally understand. But I don't mm. think I would grow yeah. out of meeting new people or finding new experiences. Yeah. 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 Mm. I feel like I had something more to say about parties, but I've totally forgotten. That's okay, I'll riff about, about parties for a second, and then if you remember... Yeah, do that. Okay. I'll probably think of what I was okay, thinking Okay, so my series is... Um, each episode has a different focus, so it's not all about social anxiety. That's just the first episode called The Road, which is somebody going okay. to get to a party, and it's a common experience of feeling walking alone to a party and getting a little nervous about it all. If you have an anxiety disorder, if you're an anxious person, perhaps it's just a bit more than just feeling a bit... You know, a bit of butterflies. And then the next episode is the front porch. So what I've noticed at parties, there's certain tropes or areas that develop. So the front porch often has its own mm. vibe, which is people welcoming people to the party or people leaving and going and, and people sort of having like a bit of a, like a, a nice like goodbye, a goodbye hug or whatever or hello. And so the first episode is called The Vice of Anxiety. And then the second episode, the front porch, is called The Vice of Nostalgia, which is when you're at a party with people that you've known for a long time. And... You sort of slip into this, remember this, remember that, um, and you rely on that a lot, which is nice and it feels warm. Um, but I call it advice just to be a bit provocative, but it's also, I think there's a, um, it can shut people out. Like if two people know each other very well and they're sort of riffing in that way, they enter the space that not everyone can enter at the party, especially if you don't know them. So there's mm. sort of this vice of nostalgia. Um, and then it goes on and on. The hallway is the vice of costume. I mean, it sounds a little pretentious, I guess, but that's sort of the, the angle. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Like anatomy of a party. Yeah, it, that's perfect. That's, that's the title. You just made up the title. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> May have been secretly hoping that would be a thing. <laughs> no, actually, I just like blurted it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I do really enjoy... Um, it might be just butting in, but when people are being nostalgic in that way, I find that's a really cool opportunity to walk up and be like, oh, tell me some stories, you know? Because when you have two people who are really old friends, like I love to talk about the first conversation that they ever had and what they kind of thought about each other. Like that's something that fascinates me is if you know right at the start if this person is going to be a really good friend or not and like just get them to like talk about old memories to me which is so beautiful and it's great when like two people and then they bounce off each other and they disagree about some points mm, and <laughs> it's mm, so awesome there's this there's this real subtlety to the conversation that when you're with a new stranger you don't have when you're with a new stranger everything's quite big and 
and broad and clumsy. You're making these. So what do you do? You know, or like the jokes. Yeah. Yeah, like the joke you might make might be quite a, a broad joke. Mm. Well, you're sending out all of these tendrils, right, and hoping that they hook into like an interesting mm. place. But mm. there's a lot of trial and error before you get there. Yeah. Whereas when you watch two people who've known each other for a long time, they often just make like the smallest, stupidest comments or like subtle movements that we you probably don't pick up on. That means so much, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Them, yeah. yeah, I think what what I was gonna say is, I guess it's really obvious, but the um, the conversations that develop at parties are totally different because I think that people are really different at night, and that's another thing that interests me is that like you know the moment it gets dark, everyone's just like a little bit more melancholy, I think, and reflective, and they start to get nostalgic, and then especially at like three a.m., I think our, a part of our brain shuts down, and we just kind of turn into an ever so slightly different person uh. we see things in a different way and I really love that I wish we could just you know skip to the end of the party <laughs> then I end up totally totally tired the next day and not even wanting to stay up that late but I do just to have those conversations in those moments yeah I know what you mean you could just what you could do is time it so you appear at 3am and then just sit with them on the couch and be like <laughs> yeah guys wow yeah mm. <laughs> who are you <laughs> like, <laughs> It's beautiful, though, to notice the change because, you know, you could talk to someone at the start of a party and it's a little bit awkward and then towards the end, you know, you're just kind of friends by default just mm. because you've stuck through this, this party, this whole big thing. You've had a long experience. <laughs> like, yeah, you've struggled through it and you've made it to the other side together. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, I remember like six six hours ago. Oh, yeah, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird. Yeah. It's like we put us we put ourselves through this ordeal so that at the end we feel connected to these people just because we found it really weird spending time with them and there's this illusion that we've, you know, completed some kind of thing that actually it was just us coexisting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. the framework of like a, a trial or an achievement and then you get to the end and all you're doing yeah. is sort of hanging out with someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that sounds great. I hope, I hope you send it to me as soon as you have something that you want to share. Yep. Well, absolutely. Um, again, like what else? I've been I've recorded myself maybe six or seven times this, you know, the, the entire episode of it. But it's getting to a point where I am past doubting myself about it. I mean, when you mm. when you listen to that mm. sort of thing, it can sound really pretentious, or it can sound like you're. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous, you know, at a certain point. But after a while, like, you just also just don't care anymore. <laughs> You're just like, all right, I'm just... And so that, that wears off that feeling, that self-conscious, like, this is ridiculous. Mm, like, all, yeah. all, everything creative you is know, like that. Yeah. I might now tell you my, my philosophy, yep. which you might like. It's It's been my philosophy for, like, the past four months or so um we have a mutual friend who plays a lot of board games and he said to me in the context of board games because i normally get really competitive and i tend to just prefer not to play the game because i know that it's going to make me competitive but i'm actually way too lazy to really give it a proper go and then i sort of give up after half an hour because it's difficult and so he told me like don't play to win just play to explore the game and what's possible within this game and 
I tried that with board games and it was great and I even did win but I try not to be proud of that because I know that that's not the point now I was just <laughs> and it was such a good example of that in that game because I was actually losing the whole time and then in the last two rounds I was like oh I'll just see what what happens if I do this and then I started doing really well and everyone else gave up and that was what allowed me to win was not the fact that I was doing super super well but that everyone else was you know that they gave up and it was really easy at the end but yeah I thought that was really good for board games and I started to apply it to my life as well where like I don't really focus on the outcome and I don't focus on what I want to eventually have I just think what are the next moves that I can make just like I do in a board game not like am I going to win or lose is this really what I want is it possible for me it's just well I have this this situation and I have this hand these options that I could do and I'm going to decide what one I want to do now to test out what might happen with these options that I have yeah 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 so now, you know, like when I meet people, I've been like trying to find them on Facebook later. Just if I think they're an interesting person that I might want to see again and then like messaging them and being, hey, that was a really great conversation. And like I found friends that way in the past few months, which is super awesome. I felt like there was a part of me that was half like, ah, oh, well, you thought this person was cool when you talked to them for like half an hour. But maybe if you meet them again you know maybe it was just that moment and they're not really that cool and you'll just be disappointed so maybe you just shouldn't try and I realized that was what like my inner voice was saying and I was like no I'm not gonna find out that way I'm gonna try the other cool thing was I started noticing all of these connections with my memories when I was like going back and like you know being like oh this particular moment I'd like to share with this me in the past and like drawing all of these connections and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll tell you an example. So like, when I was, ah, yeah, yeah, this was one of my favorite ones because I realized so many things about these moments that, that they were interconnected in a way that I hadn't ever thought about before. But um, basically, at the end of one of my semesters, I met this guy and kind of had a crush on him, but I was really shy. And like, we used to wait outside the lecture theater together because we had lectures in the same place and I knew this particular day when he would be there and I knew that if I went early I'd get to speak to him but because I knew that I always got super nervous and always ended up chickening out and like going and hanging out in the library instead and then like over then came like the summer holidays and so over that time I was like ah 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 and then I came back like the the semester after and was like yes I'm gonna ask him out and I'm not gonna be shy anymore and I'm gonna like actually like not hide in the library anymore with my life and so I did ask him out and he already had a girlfriend that he'd found over Christmas and so I was like ah but <laughs> no, anticlimax but then like that has in my mind always been just an anticlimax and like that was that but I realized like the like I, I, I suddenly ah oh, no I'll go back a bit like there was this cool memory where I I was having to do this course because I studied European languages I had to do this paper on the evolution of European culture and 
I didn't really want to do it and I arrived late for the lecture and I had to sit up the front because that was the only free seat and then I ended up sitting really close to him and he was doing that lecture too and so like the first few lectures I just spent the whole time like talking to him and not paying attention to the lecture because I thought I didn't have to be there but the thing that ended up happening was that like that lecture like changed my life because there were all of these different like interesting ideas and interesting topics like art history and map making and um the how literature has changed over the ages and how food relates to culture and just all of these cool things that I really grew to enjoy thinking about that I didn't even know it was possible to study and things like that so like that that paper ended up being really cool and the other thing was that um I felt so like pissed off at myself that I didn't talk to this guy before the summer holidays and I waited till after that I was like I'm not gonna miss opportunities like that again and then that was actually the memory that made me want to say yes to everything for like a year Mm. so yeah I realized that that particular moment where I turned up at the lecture and I didn't care and then I asked this guy out like that had like all of these ripples like throughout my whole life that I had never noticed before until I started like thinking about it and connecting it to the effect that it then had hmm yeah and at the time, it just felt like a bit of a bummer, but yeah, yeah. In, but 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 in retrospect, it was like quite an important cornerstone piece for a, a, a change for you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that guy ended up being the person that gave me, I think, the best advice that anyone gave me at uni, which was like, oh yeah, I've told you about this before. Um, what I took from the advice was totally different to what he said, but like the sentiment that I took from it was kind of look outwards and focus on other people like if you're unhappy don't just like be thinking about how unhappy you are and why just like look what there is to you know look at the people that you can connect with look at the people that are already in your life and focus on them if you if focusing on yourself is putting you in a negative space yeah Hmm. yeah i think it can be hard to think of others when you're depressed or when you're feeling you know, self-pity or sorrow or... But Mm. I think it's important to remember that it's kind of like a, hey, there are other people out here and it doesn't feel like it, but if you start to give what energy you have left a little bit to them, you'll start to feel it come back more so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely an important truth as well, is that, like when we're unhappy we do focus on ourselves and I think we need to like that Mm. that's a healthy thing as well but I yeah I think for me there was kind of this moment where I was sort of ready to move on from that like it just Mm. I don't know if I was feeling healthier mentally or if I just got sick of it and was like well this Mm. is really boring I'm just gonna you know pretend to be happy even if it's not happening on the inside and Mm. we'll see what happens because like the being sad shit is getting boring (laughs) it's boring yeah I think at the end of the day we only change our behaviors when we're just tired and sick of the old ones like you can make all these ultimatums and this will change and that will change but if you're secretly still indulging and enjoying this certain thought patterns or behaviors they may be self-destructive or not but as soon as you're sick of them like as soon as you're just tired of being this that's an often a, the biggest catalyst for change i've found mm. it's yeah. like i'm over this yeah 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 
and maybe also just a feeling of um, responsibility. Like I know um, not much in our life is really our fault. You know, like if people, mm. we, we get a lot of our life, we do kind of receive um, and we don't get that much control over what happens to us. But, you know, there is a tiny portion that we can control. And I think the difference for me when I was depressed and when I started to kind of get out of it was when I realized, you know, like I'm not in control of the things that are making me unhappy, but I can just, you know, this is also at the same time my life and I can choose how I react to these things that are happening to me. And mm. if I'm not having fun in the way that I'm currently reacting, I'll just react in a different way. And that that is my mm. responsibility because no one else is going to do that for me, you know? And my life is not just going to change on yeah, its own. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think there's a real joy in that when you start to take total responsibility for certain aspects of your life. It's It becomes almost fun in a way. Like, I get to design this. Like, mm. life is so much more customizable and controllable than we let on a lot of the time you get to decide so much in your life there's so much you can't decide but there's so like just like so many little things like the way you think or the way you react to people or events or problems and, and there's just so much control that we, we we don't let ourselves use or do I think most of the time especially people locked into certain unhealthy relationships with other people Mm -hmm. um, they feel like they're very trapped and they, they've only got so many options. It's like a video game where there's dialogue options, like an adventure game, and all of them are grayed out except for one or two. Whereas in reality, you can actually speak to the video game and anything you say gets put on the screen. Like, there isn't, it's, it's more unlimited than limited, but it, it can often look very limited, our mm. options yeah. that we can take in our life. Mm. Yeah. I guess some some wisdom in that is also to focus on the steps and yeah like I said before the moves that you can make because like I guess we look at the potential options you know we're kind of focusing on outcomes and like the moves that are available to us short term like that's where we have many many options and then that will give us mm. many potential outcomes but we might say all oh, these ones are impossible so we also discount the steps that might lead to them but really, mm. like, if you start taking a few steps, even though you're not thinking about the direction, that will put you in a different place and you have different mm. options from there that you don't initially see in your current situation. Mm. So, yeah, I think um, it can be really intimidating making changes in your life, you know, like in, mm. in relationships or in sort of any changes that you want to make. But um, I think making the first step and then just continuing is so, so helpful it's easy to get yeah, discouraged like, like, and think this is impossible. It's like we're walking yeah it's like we're walking in the dark and we're walking in a certain direction slowly slowly eating forward in the dark and this is this is the behaviors we're doing and 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 the situations we're creating through our life decisions or what we feel like our life should be and then to move directions in the dark feels really scary because there might be a cliff over there there mm. might be you know gorse um, you don't know what's over there um, this way seems pretty good because you're slowly moving forward and you haven't fallen over much and um, and when you move directions you think well where am I going like where's that destination going to take me what's the point um, mm. and you're right I think we should focus on the day we should focus on what today can I change you can have all these great fantastic ambitions these like stupid goals these like crazy ideas these like 
and they'll always stay like that and they'll never ever I don't think in any case they'll ever eventuate as you want them to life isn't like that but what you can do you can pivot today and you can do a small change today and that's the most powerful thing you could ever do the small change today is way more powerful than some like elaborate plan you can make up or some like goal mm. you see because most most goals or most like destinations are quite illusionary aren't they or they're not quite what you thought they were so yeah yeah i mean when you get them it's never going to be exactly what you what you thought it was going to be exactly exactly Mm. whereas the small change you can make today might feel a little uneventful because you can't make a state facebook status about it like oh like everyone look at me like i did this like i got up (laughs) half an hour earlier or yeah like these things they don't seem they're worth congratulating congratulating but really those are the the biggest life achievements i feel those are the ones that will Mm. lead to the most like widely dynamic crazy changes like 10 years five years down the line um and like you yeah like you're experimenting just saying yes and i've done it before as well like just saying the small like mm. yes like just just altering your behavior slightly to say yes instead of no occasionally that has huge ramifications um yeah so yeah yeah i just cool. i think that's awesome yeah yeah that was super wise thank you for saying that <laughs> you articulated that really oh, well oh yeah <laughs> well it's just me feeling good about my little moves I've made like I I've moved down here with these like goals or ambitions or ideas but really what I'm finding is that it's just the small changes I'm making every day that are really mm. changing my life more than anything yeah mm. yeah awesome yeah mm. yeah it's always like yeah I kind of like even at these parties like people have sort of suggested these little ideas and then I can kind of see new avenues opening up in my life that I wouldn't have really thought of it's like oh there's this cool group in Auckland that does these things and I could be a part of that and like you know like I could have you know initially started that conversation with that person and been like oh no not that interesting but no like I kept going and then I ended up finding out cool things that I didn't think were going to be there and yeah Mm. yeah Mm. Oh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah, I, I really liked the idea that we both did that yes, yeah thing. And um, mm. so that was my motivation for it. Like, do you remember where you're, uh, in what circumstances you made that decision? I think it was when my friend, like a lot of my old high school friends, um, not a lot of them, but some of them I was hanging out with, sort of hanging on with after high school, like a small clip of guys. And we'd we'd play handball at school and everything, and we'd grown up together. But after school, we were hanging out still, which was cool. But we started to have less and less in common. And then at one point, we just stopped hanging out. And then without them, I had no, not many or many friends at all. And I realized, and I was going through a very tough time, and I was very sort of quite down and depressed. And um, I realized that I will stay in this rut because... One of the things keeping me in this rut is this lack of social support. And nobody is going to make new friends for me. Like, the social support ain't coming from anywhere. It's up to me to sort of force this social support or, like, find it somewhere Mm. or, like, change instead of, like, staying inside all the time. Because I had, like, a whole year where I just, like, pretty much stayed, you know, in my room or inside and just didn't do anything. Mm. And I was just very depressed. And I realized this was just going to go on forever. Nobody's going to stop this. And I had to really hurt myself to get out of this like I had to really like struggle like it's gonna be painful to stop this behavior um but the pain is worth it in some weird way uh so my friend from Wellington at the time invited me to a gig in um uh, up in Auckland like a, some like punk bands or some 
you know, some DIY bands, and I thought, oh, like, yes, it's time for me to start saying yes. Like, I, I formulated this idea of, like, maybe saying yes to things more, even though it will be painful. Like, the idea is that I'd accept the pain. Um, and I thought, oh, DIY punk, nothing's more painful than that. So I <laughs> got myself <laughs> in a car, and I drove to, it was at the Mountain Vic Tunnels, um, North Head? Is it? No, not Mountain Vic, uh, North Head, right? Like, in Devonport, there's that hill. Ah, um, cool. Inside yeah, the so tunnel. This big hill. Yeah, so there's this big hill in um, Devonport Mountain. Is it? No, not Malbec. It was, um, yeah, North Head. And there were these tunnels. And mm. this whole idea is that this DIY punk gig would be in one of the tunnels. And it was sort wow. of, I think it was very, yeah, it was very illegal. And it was very, like, you had to sort of know the right person. Like, it wasn't oh, yeah. advertised or anything. Like, super you underground. Sort of be part of the scene. Yeah, yeah, like, we're all, like, literally. And, um, yeah, it's true, right? Um, my friend from Wellington happened to know somehow about this thing mm. and they like were like you should go to this so I ended up going me being this sort of pasty like not punk guy at all like I was I, I didn't know what I was doing there but I got there and I got there way too early because I was really nervous about getting lost or not getting there in time so it started at like seven or eight but I got there at like five and so I'm like walking around these tunnels at five o'clock by myself thinking like oh this is so ridiculous Tim what are you doing and then I suddenly saw some guys carrying some band gear and because I was just such a polite 19, 18-year-old, I was like, oh, let me help help you. Like, oh, these are the guys. So, like, I start helping them carry band gear. And they're like, all right, Aww. dude, sure. <laughs> like, I'm helping them. It's like, I'm saying yes, right? So I'm, like, helping them, and I, like, help them set up the, the, the um, little venue place. And then this person comes up to me, and they're like, um, like, this older couple, and they're like, oh, we're from, like, we're from... Um, some radio station do you want to be interviewed about this and I was like I'm in too deep like, <laughs> I've gone too far like I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing um, but I I kind of just that whole thing sort of snowballed and I ended up meeting some really cool people at that gig and um, sort of being introduced to this world of underground music that I've never seen before and and some of them are my friends to this day but the point I'm trying to make is that I went from someone who could have spent his entire like weekend or his like you know, months just in his room to someone who's like getting interviewed on the radio about a DIY punk gig, um, like underground, and at some point yeah. later in the evening, the um, police were chasing us. But that's another story. But like, <laughs> um, like yeah, um, but like, and just like, just like doing like that crazy thing, and that's just through virtue of just saying yes to every single at every single junction, even though it was hard. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think yes can lead to just the most random... And, like, that sold at me on the idea. Like, once that happened, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, why haven't I been, like... Saying, yeah. Why have I been so closed off? Like, if that can happen, like, what else can happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, that that's a really yeah. cool, like, first night of doing that. It's, like, a perfect yeah. of where that can yeah. end up. And, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> lucky so cool. that I had it so extreme because I feel like if it wasn't so, like fun and intense maybe I would have mm. been turned off the whole say yes idea I just so happened to have such a you know crazy experience that it really kind of kept me going yeah yeah cool yeah how about you I mean you've told uh, me this, right just then like, no like I'm a bit guy. intimidated by your yes experience because all I did was like go to a few parties when I was feeling unsociable mm, um that's not really big it. like that's huge yeah i remember i ended up asking my lecturer after the lecture what german books he would recommend um i mean i i applied for a scholarship to go to germany 
and and got it. I guess that was a thing that I wouldn't normally do. Wow, oh, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. That so that was cool. And I also did German play. That was the thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I was. It was a normal German lecture, and these people came in and they were talking about how they did German play, and they were like giggling in this really like in jokey kind of a way. And my brain was a little bit like, oh wow, this is really niche and nerdy, and they're really into this weird play that they're doing. Like they were just trying to convince us how much fun it is. <laughs> like, I kind of my first instinct was uh, no, and so I did it. <laughs> And I ended up doing it that year and having a lot of fun and then doing it the next year as well and getting like a bigger part where I got to be awesomely evil and funny and like that became my circle of friends and some of the people there became my flatmates and yeah, yeah, so that was, that was a good thing. What year did you guys, what year did, what was the last year you did German play? Um, We've talked about this before and it's not where oh, I think okay. I just missed That's your friends. Right. We tried to yeah. figure it out. Um, it was 2010 yeah. uh, was the last year. Okay. My year was... T- I went to German Play 2013. That's cool, though. Uh. Um, yeah, see, I think, in a way, if you knew the future and you knew what you'd be getting into, if you said yes, I think part of you would be, would, would be like, turned off it and say no. <laughs> because, mm, yeah. like, if, if you were to know that by saying yes, you'd end up doing this play. You know, there's, there's a scary element to that, you know. Um, and it's almost it's almost like a, a blessing of life that we don't know the sort of trouble we'll end up in by saying yes. Um, because then we just might say no. So, um, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, like yeah, definitely. Like I mean, this... To go blind, yeah. Yeah, I noticed this is like the main difference between... Um, me and most of the members of my family is that I kind of noticed that when there's an option of doing something weird and interesting, I will take it and they'll be like, no, we're, we're sticking to what we do. Like, you notice it with us ordering food or, like, dif- like trying out mm. different things. And I realized, like, when thinking about the way that I approach decisions and the way that they approach decisions, is like, I will see it as useful if I gain the knowledge that I don't like it. Like, I might get an unpleasant experience if I say yes to something, but I will know for next time that I don't like it, and I prefer to have that Mm. than experience what I've always experienced and have it definitely be pleasurable. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I have to go in about two, three minutes. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, But, yeah, I I think that's interesting. I think part of that is people throughout life I've definitely had times more lately than uh, like after my yes year where I've just been so tired of trying new things and just so burnt out by new mm. sensations or new like bad food or that I started to say no a bit more mm. and I think I mean I think these um, are cycles yeah. I think you go through a yes yeah. phase and you go through a no phase and then you get sick of that and yeah I've, I've realized that's how my life is going to be yeah I think you're in a good place then would you say you're in a yes cycle now or a no cycle yeah now? Yeah, I'm in a yes cycle now. I went okay. to two parties That's this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And you learned something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of even do it weekend by weekend now. It's not necessarily a life phase thing. I try and be mm. on the yes side in my life, but I do it like on a weekendly basis where I have one weekend where I do lots of stuff and another one where I just do stuff for me that I want to do. Mm. I think just knowing... Because a lot of people don't know the benefits of saying yes to 
to things that they wouldn't normally say yes to. So just knowing that and having that experience, I think that's it's, it, it, gives, it lets you have an informed decision about whether you want to say no or yes so much more, you know, like you can sort of refine that. Whereas before we had our yes years, we didn't know what we were missing so much or we had like an uneducated mm. um, view of what, what, what we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think it's interesting that we kind of had similar experiences at university. I would, I'm interested to know how many other people have that because you know, like at high school, you've got your group, you know, and you've got the the place where you hang out, and then uni. I remember so missing that. Like I just, I was not used to the idea of eating alone. I ate lunch with my friends, and I had dinner with my family, and I found at uni. My lunch break was different to other people. I didn't know people either. And eating alone was like a big thing. It felt like my whole mind was telling me, Katie, you have no friends if you're now eating lunch alone. And the reality was also that I had no friends because yeah, I'd kind of drifted apart from my friend group towards the end of high school anyway. And I was just like, I was determined to meet new people when I started uni and determined to leave everything behind. But I think to like a bad extent, I kind of forgot the person that I was and wasn't Mm. quite sure who I wanted to try and be and just needed a bit more inspiration but I felt kind of lost Mm. and yeah yeah okay um yeah I mean that's I think that's a topic that we have to tackle for an entire um episode because we were going to talk remember we said we were going to talk about I know oh, our twenty-year-old selves. Say, eh? yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah. that's kind of that's that's my twenty-year-old self, and I've shared a few stories, so I kind of feel like I've I've, I've said a lot of the things. I think that what we'll potentially do, say. yeah, yeah. But you'll be surprised what what comes up. I think next time, or when we're in the mood mm. for it, we should definitely um, explore this one more time. Our twenty-year-old okay. selves and how we're different now. Cool. And cool. what part of that we can do is we can bring out the um the email I sent to myself that we we. <laughs> Remember that? Yes, go back. I was actually considering suggesting that for today. You know, what we could do then is just like, don't have me saying that at the end of the podcast when you're editing it and we'll just make that a whole new thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Anyway, I got to go because I've got to catch up for some five minutes. Okay, okay. (laughs) All right. Send me the... Have fun. um... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Our our ends are always really weird on the recording. (laughs) I know, like last time you like s- I, you were telling me that it's weird and I thought that you were actually saying goodbye and I'm sorry and then I was like, yeah, goodbye and then hung up. <laughs> what you were saying was like, I find it really awkward saying goodbye. <laughs> I heard yeah, like the last right. word. Yeah, that must have been somewhat weird. Um, let's just get in the habit of just saying goodbye in a really friendly, energetic so, way, even if it's fake. <laughs> Because I think oh, that yes. thing is that we're we not actually saying know. goodbye, and we know right. it, and that's what Thank makes it Thank you for it. listening. We very much appreciate but it. But let's imagine yeah. that we're saying goodbye to all and, of our um, listeners right now, and not each feedback. other, because I think that I can handle. Yeah, please, some feedback. Um, write comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, us, let us know. We could have some comments. That all would right, be great. Bye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye, Katie. Is there anyone out there? <laughs>